Are you ready for the end of the world? This is your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your Community Spirit on your community radio, 91.1 FM, Community Radio for Southern Illinois. Welcome to WDBX. My name is Tree Song. I'll be your host for today. Or Energy Man is off on other adventures. Uh, he isn't able to call in today, uh, but he will be back again someday to tell us all about the solar journey he's been up to lately. In the meantime, we'll hold you down right here with plenty of news and happenings and holidays to get you going for your weekend and your week. Now, that, in case you didn't recognize it, that song we started with was the Imperial March from Star Wars. I decided to pull that one out in honor of our first news story for today. Trump will be the fossil fuel industry's greatest gift. Among climate hawks, the reactions to Donald Trump's election have ranged from hopeless to Pollyanna-ish and everything in between. Former Vice President Al Gore expresses hope that Trump will work with, quote, the overwhelming majority of us who believe that the climate crisis is the greatest threat we face as a nation. While the New York Times' Andy Revkin argues that the U.S. president doesn't make a huge amount of difference when it comes to climate anyway. Going by his campaign promises, though, the Trump era is shaping up as an open season for the fossil fuel industry. Coal stocks are soaring, and there are strong indications that TransCanada might put the Keystone XL pipeline back on the table. So here we are trying to stop other pipelines that are popping up, and now they're thinking of putting ones back that have already been stopped. Trump certainly can't dismantle climate action and the clean energy economy as quickly as he promised, at least in day one. Just, you know, presidents come up with these, these bold day one promises, and he can't undo it all in a single day. And in some cases, he won't be able to do it at all. But here's what's on his hit list, along with an analysis of what he can and can't do. Now, there's a full, a full edition of this article at grist.org, one of our big environmental news sources. You can also email us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org and get added to our newsletter so you can get all of the articles as they appear on the air. But here are a few examples of some climate things that he's going to try to do and to what extent he can actually do them or not do them. First one, one is on a lot of people's minds lately, is gutting the Paris climate deal. Trump promised to cancel the International Climate Change Accord in his first hundred days of office. Seeing that the deal went into effect last week, he will have to wait a little longer. There's a three-year period before any country can give notice to withdraw, plus one year before that pullout takes effect. But in the meantime, the United States could severely handicap the deal by not following through on emissions cuts and reneging on promises, promised funds for global climate adaptation. So it's actually, it actually highlights one of the flaws or challenges of the Paris Climate Accord is that it's hard for other countries to really do anything if the U.S. doesn't keep up its end of the agreement. The U.S. can't officially withdraw for that period, that waiting period, but if the U.S. just stops doing things for the climate, then there's not really much recourse for the other nations. So another thing, scrapping the clean power plan. Trump has promised to appeal the Environmental Protection Agency regulations 
that would curtail carbon dioxide emissions from power plants. The single biggest domestic accomplishment of the Obama administration on climate. Bureaucratically reversing these regulations isn't as easy as promised by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who thinks day one would be a good idea. But Trump's EPA could choose not to enforce the rule by giving states waivers. So they could say, oh, well, we can't change this rule, but here, we'll let you break it for now, (laughs) which could have a very similar effect to changing the rule, at least in the short term. Another thing they're working on is rolling back smog and mercury standards and coal ash regulations. Trump promised to repeal every new rule imposed by the Obama administration that harms coal. All three of these fit the bill. Smog, mercury, and coal ash are conventional air or water pollutants that can sick people who live near coal burning or processing facilities. Under Obama, the EPA updated and strengthened these rules, though not always to the satisfaction of environmental advocates. There was a lot of things getting through. The good news for environmentalists is that while the executive branch can reverse these rules on its own, it will require a new rulemaking process. That takes time, requiring public comment period, and it's also, like any rulemaking, subject to legal challenges. So there's going to be this whole period where people have several steps, several ways to fight against such changes. Another thing he's trying to do is bringing back the coal industry. Trump pledged on the campaign trail to essentially wish the coal industry back into existence on day one. I know that's going to be a big one on the radar of people here in southern Illinois, since there are also other politicians in southern Illinois pretending that we're going to revive the coal industry. But unless he's got a genie in a bottle, maybe that explains the results, then this is going to be a complete fantasy. The market forces are working against coal right now. There's often this belief that it was entirely just environmental regulation that ran out the coal industry. I mean, that environmental regulation can be a contributing factor, but the rise of, of other forms of energy, oil, gas, you know, there are many factors that have contributed, and coal is just on the decline independent of what regulations are doing. So it's very unlikely that Trump is going to be able to do anything to revive the coal industry. There are, fortunately, other industries that are booming, such as the solar and wind industries that can be tapped into. So there's a whole list of things here. He's trying to fill the White House with fossil fuel executives, uh, approve pipelines, um, gutting the EPA. It's unlikely that he's actually going to abolish it, but People often promise to abolish whole cabinet departments, but um, it's more likely that he will just decrease funding and try to put people in there who he prefers. But for more information on some of the details, you can go to grist.org. And uh, really, I I wanted to touch on that as a story, but we do want to get into many other stories as well, because as one of these points mentioned, it's not all up to the president. It's up to the people what will happen with our environment in this country. So let's hear some of the other news and see what we can do as a people to act on climate change and to provide a good environment for present and future generations.
In other news, Washington state voters reject nation's first carbon tax. Now, one of the ways, if there are problems at the federal level with working on environmental issues, people can often refocus on state-level efforts or local efforts. So this story is about Washington state voters rejecting the nation's first carbon tax. Washington state voters rejected a proposal for the nation's first carbon tax on Tuesday, defeating a landmark attempt to address climate change that had divided environmental activists. Despite being a major effort to reduce carbon dioxide emissions, some environmental justice advocates argued the measure would work against working people and the poor, a stance that put them uncomfortably aligned with the fossil fuel industry that also opposed the measure. The carbon tax was expected to raise $2 billion annually through higher prices for gasoline and fossil fuel-fired electricity. It would have given all the money back and then some to the state's residents and businesses through a sales tax cut, rebates for working families, and a tax break for manufacturers. Like all carbon taxes, Initiative 732 was designed to drive down global warming emissions by reducing demand for high-carbon fuels. But it was unpopular with many social justice, environmental, and health advocates who sought to use the revenue for renewable energy, mass transit, and other green infrastructure projects, and aid communities most affected by fossil fuel pollution or climate change. The measure garnered about 42% of the vote. Among those who decided not to support the carbon tax were the Sierra Club, Washington Environmental Council, Union of Concerned Scientists, Climate Solutions, and 350Seattle.org. Of the major environmental groups, only Audubon supported it and raised money for the S campaign. But climate scientists and even the actor and environmentalist Leonardo DiCaprio were vocal supporters. So here's a quote from Audubon. While tonight's outcome is disappointing, we have awakened a sleeping giant, and we look forward to continuing the fight for common-sense climate solutions for birds and for the people, said Gail Gatton, executive director of Audubon, Washington. Now, this is, this is an issue I'm kind of tempted to do research about more, even though it's not in our state, because our state can also consider initiatives like this. It, it's this unfortunate tension between two groups of environmentalists who both it sounds like, agree that a carbon tax is a great idea. They just disagree on what to do with the proceeds of the carbon tax. The one side wants to have a revenue-neutral carbon tax because that will entice some of the fiscal conservatives to support it. But then the other side wants to take the money from the carbon tax and spend it on renewable energy, spend it on helping people affected by climate change. And I think both points make a lot of sense. So it's really an unfortunate struggle, unfortunate disagreement there. Um, I'll be curious to read more about the different sides' perspectives and see what happens if other initiatives like this are proposed around the nation. Maybe we'll even propose one right here in Illinois. All right, in other news, 
Florida voted down an anti-solar initiative. Now, this is an initiative we did talk about previously on Your Community Spirit. This was the initiative that was crafted to look like a pro-solar initiative, but it was actually an anti-solar initiative. The amendment was disguised as a pro-solar measure, which was confusing, but in the end, it did not trick enough voters. It would have needed 60% approval to pass, and it only received about 51%. The amendment, which got big support and big money from the utility companies, would have changed the state constitution in a way that threw up barriers for rooftop solar, like allowing utilities to charge solar panel owners new fees. Florida's laws are currently very unfriendly to rooftop solar, which is ironic because they're the sunshine state. So installed solar capacity in the sunshine state pales in comparison to other states, even though Florida is ranked third in the country for solar potential. Solar advocates hope to change that, and defeating this amendment was a critical first step, so they're celebrating the vote. So I, I was also glad to see this vote. Um, it was We talked about it on the radio show. It was talked about on the Years of Living Dangerously television show about climate change. And it really is a... You know, I understand there are disagreements in politics and they get hashed out in electoral ways, but it seems very underhanded to me to present something that looks like it's pro-solar, even if you take a a look at it, you'd think, oh, this is something pro-solar, but then it turns out it's anti-solar. And they and they were doing it intentionally, which uh, which I believe they're still being uh, having legal action pursued against them for doing that intentionally, uh, but uh, the bill did not pass, so... Solar is still a possibility in Florida, and they might even, since that did not pass, they may be able to pursue measures to improve the status of solar in the Sunshine State. So there were some good things that happened on Tuesday in the electoral process. There are also a lot of other, you know, state-level victories and such that did not result in appointing climate deniers to uh, the transition team. All right, in other news, clean technology will move forward despite the Trump administration. The morning after the election, solar and wind stocks weren't looking all that great, and the stock of a bankrupt coal company were on the rise. Trump promises to resuscitate coal and scrap the clean power plan. Now, maybe people thought, since Trump is so familiar with bankruptcies, they thought, oh, this bankrupt coal company, (laughs) they'll have better luck in his America. So here are a few bright spots in all of that gloom. One is that as long as America has California, it'll have a clean tech industry. California has the largest economy in the U.S. Its ambitious renewable goals and support for electric and hybrid vehicles have created a sustainable clean tech domestic market that persists even when federal support wavers. So there are individual states like California that are pushing ahead with clean tech even as there may be forces at the federal level that are against it. When oil prices go up, so will renewable energy profits. Saudi Arabia flooded the market with cheap oil to kneecap the shale boom and annoy Russia. This geopolitical bonanza is about to end, and it'll be terrible for America's water supply because it will make fracking lucrative again. That's something people in southern Illinois need to be very aware of because there is the risk that fracking industry will come to southern Illinois. But the higher oil prices also make renewable energy into a more lucrative investment, to the point where they could beat fossil fuels in the marketplace without government support. 
And that's one of the things that uh, solar and all of the clean tech are going for is grid parity, where the the cost of getting solar energy becomes as affordable, if not more so, than the cost of other forms of energy. Because if you've got that, there's there's really no reason to choose the other sources of energy. Another bright spot during these times is that the world is moving forward on clean tech. Last year, 196 countries pledged trillions to moving off of fossil fuels. If Trump follows through on his promise to stymie U.S. participation, that's America's loss because those 195 countries are all potential customers of and investors in U.S. technology. Other countries have their own research universities and venture capital. They'll design better wind turbines and smart grids and happily sell them to each other. So that's, yeah, that's a big point is, you know, there are people, there have been people making the argument, oh, of, well, you know, someone's going to burn this coal, so we may as well burn it here. You know, there's also the counter argument, the world is looking for clean energy. The world wants clean energy uh, for both health reasons and for climate reasons. If we could be developing it right here in the United States, and we are to an extent, if we back away from that and start having less clean energy here, all the other countries are going to get to do it. (laughs) And, you know, I, I think one of the things you can play off here is he, Trump has this fear of, you know, China and the Chinese economy. Well, if we don't make renewable energy products in the U.S., they will make them in China. So we may as well support clean energy in the U.S. for so many reasons. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes off this. It's a very uh, stressful time for many of us, very frightening time for many of us. But it's also a good time to draw together in community and reach out to your fellow community members and support each other and do what you can to make things better. All right, so on that note, let's get into some of the community happenings and some of the holidays. Uh, Today is Veterans Day, and I really appreciate the Light on the Law segment on Veterans Day. I didn't catch the whole thing, but getting the voices of veterans out there who have had to experience the costs of war is very important. It will hopefully make us think twice about aggressive military interventions which is one of the best ways to honor veterans is to not place them in harm's way needlessly, as our nation so often does. So Veterans Day is today, a time to honor veterans. We also have other holidays coming up. Caregiver Appreciation Day, that's a very important one. World Kindness Day, those are both on Sunday. Operating New Room Nurse Day is on Monday. Now, nurses do a ton of work for people and are vastly underappreciated, so any day to celebrate nurses is a good day. Tuesday is Clean Your Refrigerator Day. It's also America Recycles Day, so maybe you can compost some of those things in your refrigerator. That's kind of a form of recycling. National Philanthropy Day. So if you're you're feeling stressed right now about changes in our country, Tuesday is a day when you can think of local and regional charities that could benefit from your supports and do what you can to support them. It's never too early to do that either. (laughs) So, let's see. World Peace Day on the 17th. That's a good day to celebrate. It's also take a hike day. So you can go outside, enjoy a hike, and think about world peace. Now let's get into some of these local happenings while we still have time. Donations for Standing Rock, now through November 22nd at Guy House Interfaith Center. 
Southern Illinois Stands with Standing Rock is currently holding a donation drive. Anyone who can donate supplies to the resistance camps may drop their goods off during open hours of Guy House and Center for Subsistence Research, as well as their booth at the Farmer's Market. Uh, For more information, you can find them on Facebook. The camps are gearing up for winter, so winter-related gear. Uh, It's very cold uh, in that area, so winter-related gear would be much appreciated. Also coming up, we have the Native American Heritage Month events. Uh, November is Native American Heritage Month. It's uh, celebrated locally at SIU through a variety of events and programs. There's a full calendar on the SIU website at the uh, Student Multicultural Resource Center website. Here are some of the highlights. There have already been several events. On Wednesday, there's a movie, Crying Earth, Rise Up. This is Wednesday at 5 p.m. at the Fainer Hall University Auditorium. Also coming up on Thursday, there's a panel discussion, Ancient Culture, Contemporary Issues, 5.30 p.m. at the Student Center, Kaskaskia, Missouri Room. And not this Friday, but next Friday, there's the film Trail of Tears at 3 p.m. at the Morris Library Guyon Auditorium. And also American Indian Craft Night, 5 to 7 p.m. at Parkinson Laboratory, Room 110. All right, we have coming up this weekend, we have the AIDS Auction and Reception. It's coming up on Saturday from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Southern Illinois AIDS Coalition presents great people, stellar music, good food, wine, atmosphere, fun auction items, and it helps others. How could anyone not go to this event? It sounds like such a delightful event in support of such a good cause. Uh, there are tickets available online. It's 25 a person or an entire table of eight for 200. They're still looking for volunteers to set up. Proceeds from the event benefit the AIDS Holiday Project, which promotes food, clothing, toys, and grocery gift store cards for 150 low-income households impacted by HIV-AIDS in the southernmost 19 counties of Illinois. And for more information on that, you can call 618-713-3976, including information on the tickets and the event in general. And it looks like it's going to be a good time. I'm actually going to make it out to that one. So excited to see how it goes and excited to support a good cause. In other local happenings, we mentioned Native American Heritage Month. We've got an event related to that coming up. It's the Indigenous People's Day Feast coming up on Wednesday, November 16th at 6 p.m. at Guy House. Southern Illinois Stands with Standing Rock and Guy House Interfaith Center are hosting a celebration of Indigenous People's Day Feast. The celebration will feature local and indigenous recipes, live music, and a silent art auction to raise funds for the Camp of the Sacred Stones and their efforts to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline from crossing Standing Rock Sioux lands, waters, and sacred sites. Tickets are $10 per person and can be purchased at the group's Carbonia Farmer's Market stands or at Guy House. There are only 50 tickets available, you will receive dinner, drink, and admission to the Silent Art Auction. That's once again a- another great event in support of a great cause. It's coming up on Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Guy House. Sounds like a good time. All right, in other events, we mentioned this one last time. This is a documentary called 13th. Uh, the first portion aired on Wednesday at 7 p.m. This is a reminder that the next portion is airing this coming Wednesday 
at 7 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. The CUF Racial Justice Group is presenting the documentary 13th from Directory Eva DuVernay in two parts. In this film, the American prison industrial complex is laid bare as a machine designed for the suppression of an inconvenient populace, black men. So all are welcome to join in the viewing and discussion of this most egregious situation in our country. For more information, you can email linlinsin at att.net or call 61... Excuse me, I'm in the habit of starting with 618-561-346-0509. And once again, the next installment is on Wednesday at 7 p.m. All right, also coming up, we have the new Humanist Forum, Sustainable Food Systems. It's coming up not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, November 20th, at 2 p.m. to 3.15 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. The next new Humanist Forum will take place on Sunday, November 20th, at 2 p.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. Jane Adams will present Building a Local Food System, the Ethical and Practical Dimensions. They will discuss the evolving local food system here in southern Illinois and around the nation and the world, with a focus on government and community action. Jane Adams grew up on a Jackson County, Illinois farm. As an anthropologist, historian, and activist, she has documented the transformation of agriculture and rural life here and around the world and promoted the reestablishment of sustainable regional food systems. For more information on that, you can find the New Humanist Forum event on Facebook, you can also sign up for our newsletter at info at yourcommunityspirit.org and we'll send you all the info about this week's events and all of the ones coming up too. All right, this has once again been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. I know I've been excited and enjoyed it and learned a lot along the way. I hope you have too. If you have any happenings or news to send our way, go ahead and give us an email. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the weekend. Hope you enjoy the nice weather we're having out here in Southern Illinois, and we will see you next week on the radio.